Bringing light, life, and music from across the U.S., this is American Awakening. Hello, 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 America world. It's the American Awakening squad coming to you with a very special show. I'll tell you why in a minute. But this is the first show that we've done since the launch of our Better Together production. Over 200,000 people have seen the show. My, 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 my. More, more to talk about there. But first, we have a special show in a number of different ways. Number one, Joel Searby's on the road, so he's not with us. Um, sad. <laughs> Number two, one of my favorite people on the planet um, and a deep influence to the American Awakening Project, Pastor Herman Hamilton, is here with us. More to say about that in a moment. Uh, but first, I would just love to see if, if Marissa could say a few words about, uh, you know, the production. I mean, so, so just, just to give due credit here. We had over 200,000 people watch the most insane, wonderful Christian concert production I've ever seen. So well done. It was incredible. It was amazing. Um, you guys have seen some of the advance on it. Crowder and Lecrae and Jonathan McReynolds crushing it uh, for King and Country, New Respects. It was wonderful. And the visionary behind it, Marissa Prince, she visualized this uh, 18 months ago. She's been working tirelessly and she tried to put it together and, you know, for real. And then co Corona hit. And then, and then all of a sudden we're on a rooftop um, with, with uh, this wonderful echo of Coldplay and Amon Jordan and a rooftop there and from 2019, because that woman's a visionary. She's a visionary. She said, you know what? If Coldplay and Chris Martin can do this in Jordan, then we can do this in Nashville. Better together on a rooftop, shouting from the rooftop. So, so not only was Marissa the visionary behind it, number one. Two, uh, she was the star of the show. Everybody, everybody who watched the show thinks that, you know, McReynolds was good. Lecrae was nice. The small bone guys were good and all that. But, but Marissa was the one. And she showed tremendous courage. She didn't want to get up there and she didn't want to be the person speaking. I, you know, we, we, we love her for the fact that she's humble and circumspect about putting herself out there. But she was awesome. And the voice that she gave to this whole thing was amazing. All right. So as if that's not enough, that's number one vision. Two, execution on, uh, up there. And then three, she had to work tirelessly um, to actually cut this post-production. So she was working around the clock for weeks to put this uh, fine uh, concert production together and roll it out. She was working the last minute on Tuesday before we launched this. So uh, we are so indebted to you, all of us, Marissa, everybody involved with the American Awakening Project. Wherever you out there on live stream or pod, give, give Marissa Prince a shout um, because she is the one who made it happen. Uh, Marissa, you know, from your vantage point, what, what, how'd you feel about it all? Well, let me just say from my vantage point, it always takes a village. And I'm not even just trying to deflect, you know, any sort of film, TV, whatever, visual medium takes a whole bunch of like experts in whatever their field to make a thing happen. So God was good. I mean, first of all, we all know, we all know, JK, that thing almost didn't even happen because of like torrential downpours like that were, <laughs> I mean, we were running around 48 hours in advance, me and my girl Marina, who's backstage, was yet to show her face on the show, but she will one day. She will, she will. So we were running around trying to figure out, okay, if we have to go indoors in Nashville, where can we go to get the same vibe? And you know, I'll be, I'll be very honest. I'm very thankful to our boy Adam, who is uh, best friends with Lecrae, who said to me, he was like, you know, Marissa, we thought 
our move thing was going to get rained out a few weeks ago. And I just said, Lord, if this is your thing, sun stands still. He was like, maybe we should try it. And I was like, <laughs> into, you know, biblical, you know, obedience. Yes, sir. I just said, Lord, you know, I mean, if there's any way that you're willing to spare us, do it. And it even, it rained right earlier that day, right, JK? But then it cleared up. The night was beautiful. Those sunsets, I've never seen sunsets that pink, that gorgeous. And uh, it was just amazing how every one of us on this team, whether you know it or not, you prayed for this thing, you encouraged in this thing, you fought for this thing, um, you you helped us. And uh, all of you out there who watched, all 200,000 plus of you, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for you because you all might not know the pressure or what it seems like when you're making stuff and you don't know if anybody's going to watch it. You're like, yeah, Lord, we're, we're trying to be faithful. We don't know what's coming. I'm believing that, uh, that God's not done with this thing, that this message of radical togetherness, of freedom, of that God has something more is coming out and it's going to go wherever God wants it to go. And I'm just excited that we were invited on the journey. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Oh, that is so true, Marissa. I feel like it was the me- the best cinematic show I've ever seen from a concert perspective. Just it, it was so visually well done. Thank you, That's Jeff. Rare. That was that was that was Marissa. That was Marissa. Yeah, it was so much more engaging, enrapturing, whatever the right words are, but rather than just like a you know a camera of the concert, it was so good. Shout out to to James in Nashville, our director. Shout out to the camera crew out there. Y'all brought it. This yeah. is you know, awesome. I'm, awesome. I'm, Right? That made the difference. Really quickly that, you know, people work with the same people that they work with all the time because you know you can get a certain standard of quality. This was our first time working with folks. We didn't know what to expect, and it was like God just brought it together. Couldn't have been better. God's grace. God's grace. Right? Amen. Awesome. So that is a perfect pivot into Jeff Bethke and Herman Hamilton, because oftentimes I just give this, I just give the whole segment to Jeff and say, please do something good with it, Jeff, because it's about a book that, that, you know, I don't know if there's any good that can be made of it. But this time, this time, I'm going to go in on the front, front end and, and jump in on, on the, the Herman Hamilton intro, because this chapter was, well, let me take a step back. The whole American Awakening project um, and everything we've done for the last two years is deeply influenced by Pastor Herman. So we wouldn't be where we are. And as, I, as I've told, uh, I was telling Herman off air before that, uh, you know, he gets all the blame or all the credit. <laughs> I mean, so so either way, either way, either way. Uh, I mean, he gets all I, the glory know, too. Yeah, all the blame. But you me. know what? <laughs> He's got big shoulders. I know he can take that. <laughs> so Herman Hamilton is a deep, a deep influence on our, our project right from the, the very DNA of it. And it's been a longstanding spiritual director of mine, uh, means so much to me. But even better than all that, which, which is so rich, is that his ideas were the ones that I fused together with my teammates to generate this chapter. Thank you, Herman. Jeff. The floor is now yours, Jeff and Herman. So. Well, yeah. So let me let me let me do a little formal introduction just for those listening and um, watching, and then I actually want to toss it back to you guys, John, because like you said, this chapter, uh, you know, like I said, there's synergy there of how it was kind of baked from your guys' relationship and all of that. And so I want to I want to go there fast. But here, let's let me let's just read the formal introduction to get it started. So as you know, guys, we're diving in chapter eight of the book. It's entitled "I Am You Are We." There is no them. There is only us. And as you have heard, our guest is Pastor Herman Hamilton. And he's the senior and founding pastor of New Beginnings Community Church, a.k.a. NBCC, 
a large and rapidly growing diverse church in Silicon Valley. Um, 1998, so I was only nine years old, he helped found the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization. And for almost a decade, he served as the president, overseeing its rise as a significant political and moral change agent in Massachusetts. Over the years, he served as an adjunct professor at Harvard Divinity School, Gordon-Conwell Seminary, a lecturer at Yale University, and a guest preacher at Princeton and Boston Universities. I mean, that's just unfair, that university pedigree, uh, preaching and teaching. And he was born in San Francisco, and he has returned to the, to minister in the Bay Area in 2011, founding uh, New Beginnings in April 2014. So, Pastor Herman, thanks for being here. Is there anything you would add to that real quick of just what you're up to right now, what you're thinking on, what you're processing? Uh, no, well, let me just say a couple of things. First of all, Jeff, uh, it's remarkable that you were eight years old when I was leading GBIO <laughs> or nine. I, I have never had that framing. Oh, my That just shows Lord. legacy right there. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I just want to say, Marissa, you, you're the woman. I mean, I mean, I mean, th that lady is th the bomb. So I yes. just want to add my comments to what uh, John has said. And uh, John and I are, you know, I just love John. Kingston, that's the bottom line. And uh, we actually, John, was sitting in the restaurant uh, of a hotel the evening after I had the honor of performing, of presiding, officiating the wedding of John's uh, daughter and new son-in-law. And we had this conversation that got started and, and, you know, here we are today. So it's been a real honor just to know you, John, and to be a part of uh, what's going on, what God is doing in your life, really. So all praise to God, and and I'm super humbled and blessed, John, just to be a part of what, what's happening in your life. I'm blessed to be your friend. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, yeah, listen, uh, for those of you who may not know, New Beginnings Community Church of the Bay Area, NBCC, is a, we're a, a regional congregation, and we're made up of Black, White, Asian, Latina, all of the ethnic diversity stuff. We're made up of Republicans and Democrats, independent, progressive, evangelicals. Uh, we uh, made up of folk from the far left, as you would imagine, and far right, and everybody in between. So it's a very unique uh, congregation, uh, exactly what we expect heaven to look like. And, uh, you know, that type of togetherness is hard work. But what pulls us together is a commonality of faith in Jesus. And certainly a part of our community are people who ha have not yet confessed to faith in Jesus. They're just trying to figure out what does it mean to, uh, who is Jesus? What does it mean to hang out with Jesus' followers? And so we always try to create space for that because ultimately our mission in the world is uh, to reach people who feel far from God, to make disciples, which is to help people to become passionate followers of Jesus, to build family, both through our congregation and throughout the communities that we serve uh, and transform communities, which is uh, what we say at NBCC is if we would suddenly disappear, uh, the entire Bay Area, we would hope would grieve because of the, the impact of our kind of social ministry, transformational ministry uh, in terms of working with education. And uh, that's our primary focus working across various lines of divide to, to expand and transform educational opportunities and to be a blessing to the larger Bay Area in a variety of other ways. Uh, that's non-Christian uh, on the surface, but is sparked by the fact that uh, we, had, we have the heart of Jesus and we're just trying to be all that Jesus called us to be. Poof. Amen. Could that chapter have gotten summarized and more distilled better than 
that five minutes right there. John, what, what would what would you add to that, John, hearing him talk and then thinking about the chapter and context again for those listening? You know, the chapter, the title obviously gives it away. I am, you are, we. Um, but John's particularly journey. But particularly speaking, I think, yeah, John's journey, you specifically highlight your pledging and then the college age era and kind of stuff of that nature in your story. But how, what would you add to that, John? First of all, I just want to comment on uh, Herman. Herman is doing on the ground in the Bay Area exactly what we're trying to uh, project um, for a national, um, you know, spiritual awakening movement. So, so he's doing, a, you know, in real in a real spot with thousands of people. Exactly what um, we're trying to to catalyze every place, which is Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Independent, Libertarian, old, young, rich, poor, black, white, Asian, whatever. Um, if you are in Jesus, you are a new creature, right? New creation, and we're all together. That's just the the bottom line, right? And we're supposed to take up each other's concerns and we're supposed to see each other through a different prism as we were supposed to see everybody else on the planet through a different prism because God gave us that vision. God gave us a, a different view. And so back to that night um, in October. Now, now, mind you, in October, when Herman and I sat down, the book was already supposed to be done, finished, out the door. Um, but God delayed it and delayed it, you know, for different reasons. And they're all frustrating when they happen because nobody likes delays and nobody likes, you know, challenges and process and all that sort of thing. But it was so that Herman could speak into this. It was going to be a principles about how people are and how we're supposed to, like, restore our own souls. And then, you know, vaguely how we live in community. But Herman gave me the, the language to be able to say, this is the creation story. This is who God made us to be. Yeah, that he kind of gave you the context and framework and language for what then ended up being this chapter. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I love that. Um, Pastor Herman, I had one question. Let's go here. You know, you mentioned even chatting in those first few minutes. You know, you even said, you said doing this type of work, I think your phrase you said was doing this type of work is hard. Like it's difficult yet necessary. What would you say, can you, off the top of your head, are the one or two things that that are the most difficult about it in like a common way that you see as, as people try to, you know, become these, these communities across the nation? What are the main roadblocks people run into and what are solutions that we can kind of step into in those communities? Well, you know, uh, I mean, we were just talking about this at, our, at my, my team with some people on yesterday, that diversity is, is one of the most attractive things about our, our community. If you show up mm -hmm. on a Sunday and now, by the way, you guys are watching us from all over the world. You can just, go to our website and get a sense of our worship and catch my messages every Sunday. But if, if when we were meeting in person, if you showed up, man, you'd walk into a building packed and it's, it's going to have everybody there. Right. And it's going to be this remarkable sense of warmth and joy and excitement. And the messages are intended to be very practical. And, you know, you're really, it's filled with the love of, of Jesus. We'd like to certainly project in every possible way. So when you show up that first Sunday, you're super excited. And then maybe you show up the second Sunday, you hear, let's say that you're, you are a, 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 a liberal, uh, you're, you're representing the liberal perspective of whatever. And you hear that there are Republicans there and uh, folk from the far right and so forth and so on. And you're like, wow, that's cool. That's, that's awesome. I like that. Uh, and then uh, you get into a small group around with them. And the subject of race comes up and you're sitting right next to somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of relationship with people who are of color. And they are speaking their mind and it's coming from a very conservative perspective. And it just tees you off. 
And you're like, how can you be in this church with that kind of thinking? Haven't you listened to the messages on Sunday? And they're like, oh, how can you be in this church with that kind of thinking? Haven't you listened to the messages on Sunday? I mean, you know, yeah. and, and it just becomes a real push and pull. Now it gets hard. Now the person is saying, do I really want to stay in this church? Because if there are people like you in this church and vice versa. And then, you know, my argument from the stage is, this is the work of being a Jesus follower. Reconnected to the chapter, what John is saying is, you know what? We need each other, right? That's that's the, the, the when God says in Genesis, let us make humankind. Always, we, we, John and I talked about this, that, uh, you know, I'd like to say that God uses the plural pronoun because when you try to name all the things that God are, that, that make God who God is, a single pronoun is too small. So, let us, right? That's the Hebrew concept. So when he makes humankind, he makes humankind in all of its diversity, all of its diversity. And when he looks at humankind in totality, it is the picture of total humanity reflecting back to God that causes, that reminds us that God has made us in God's image. Mm. Slices of us, we reflect a portion of that image, but only when we come together do we have a sense of God's total image? So, so what I say to people in our church and what John is saying through this chapter is that all of the big problems that we're trying to face and solve in America, you just name it. Just take the coronavirus, for example, the global pandemic. Uh, the virus doesn't really care whether you're Republican or Democrat, doesn't really care whether you're poor or are wealthy, gay, or straight. It just doesn't mm-hmm. care, right? It, it acts it, before it, it, it enters it, the toast. It, it's, it's going to act. It's going to infect. Mm-hmm. It's going to make you sick. It's going to make. It's going to kill you uh, if it can. So how do we win this battle? We got to work together, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we got to understand that my fate is tied to, to your action. Your action is tied uh, to my fate, and that we're inextricably bound together. So that's... That's the work that we try to do uh, at NBCC. Um, and we generally say if you're kind of uncomfortable, that means we're probably doing what we're supposed to do uh, as we're challenging people to push past the broken edges of their lives and find a sense of hope. We don't have to agree on everything. I tell folk, they don't have to agree with me on everything. But can we agree that Jesus Christ is the center, that modeling our life after him uh, is is the way we're called to live. And if that's the case, uh, then we have a common ground to stand upon mm-hmm. and to build relationships with. And um, and we can do more together than apart. I love that. I love that. And I love that analogy used too of like, you know, God is reflecting his us-ness and his infiniteness in all of the different images. And then we reflect that back to him and that's really necessary. And if we don't reflect that back to him, then we're only, rec- you know, I think of the analogy I've heard of like a kind of like a diamond, right? Like, each little facet, a diamond has infinite facets that it can reflect when light hits it. But you have to be looking at all the facets and all the ways light is going or else you'll only see one little portion, one little part. And so I, I, I love that. And it's kind of like humanity. What, um, yeah, John, would you jump in with anything there? Anyone else uh, of what we're hearing and thinking about? Well, I was just going to say that that nugget, right? It feels like- Is the nugget. Right? And, and, and it's, what's brilliant about that nugget is that it's so like, well, yeah, but then you tease that bad boy out and that will reveal you because yes. as he was talking, I was thinking to myself, like, you know what, this kind of all comes down to like vulnerability, right? Cause if you say like, 
I need other people. It's only with other people that I see even remotely close to a fullness of God or what God's doing. I need to depend on other people. It means mm-hmm. I've got to open myself up to other people. I've got to allow people to play roles in my life. That makes you, it, it's this question of like whether you're really going to be vulnerable and allow yourself to be used by God, allow yourself to be open, come what may. And that to me raises up this question of like, do you really trust God to be like God in your life so that you can be vulnerable with other people and be Mm. God's hands and feet in their lives and let them be the same to you? Because people Mm. will hurt you. Like you can't, you can't get out of that. Right. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Right. You're going to get messed with, but this whole notion of like, but if God's really got you, then come what may, we'll, we'll be all right together somehow. Yeah. But, you know, here's what's interesting about what you said, Marissa, a couple of things. I love what you're saying uh, because you're in the nitty gritty of the human experience. First of all, people that we love and trust and hang out with every day will hurt us. That's just the guarantee. Right. Because we're all broken. We're going to disappoint each other. We're going to frustrate each other, so forth and so on. So we can't allow the fear of being hurt uh, to keep us from seeing the dynamic of our interconnectedness with people that we historically disagree with, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, in some ways, they're no worse or no better than the folk that we we declare our love for and our our affirmation. But that's for point number one. Point number two, I like this notion about this trusting God. And this is part of what we try to teach in our congregation. Let me just say out loud, we're an evangelical community. We're rooted in a biblical theology that's evangelical, although this may not sound evangelical to a lot of folk. Uh, but, you know, this hopefully this is this is redemptive to your understanding of the evangelical church, that the fact is that if you're in this congregation, God has called you to be here. And that means God has called you to be in relationship with people who are totally different than you. And he's called you to be in a relationship with people who are totally different than you because you need to be in that relationship. You need something from them. You need a stretching, a pulling, a, uh, 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 that's part of God transforming your life. And guess what? They need to be in relationship with you. They need something from you. They need a stretching and a pulling. And what I say to folk is, listen, you don't have to agree with, my the- with all of my theology or my political positions or whatever the case might be to respect me as a person, to love me as an individual. And I say to folk, you know, let's learn to listen to each other's story. And we may not agree with the conclusions that you've drawn from your stories, but let's respect your story, right? That, 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 that God is at work. So if we can just start practicing some of those kind of simple, both theological and practical understandings. A, God has put me in this situation, just like Marissa says, there must be something that I need in the life of this person. And B, you know what? I'm not commanded to agree with everybody or their conclusions, Mm. but I am instructed by the law of love to respect people, which means respecting their story. That's something that Christians need to bear right now so much of not separating on the most minute, you know, difference of theological belief. And of course, you know, theology is important and it matters. In truth, you have to hash it out. You have to sharpen each other. But you know, I still think of it, it's near impossible in the West, but I still think of the really profound, um, you know, picture that Watchman Nee gives, who's one of my favorite formative thinkers and authors of, you know, he basically advocated for one church per city and you cannot 
divide past that. Like it's just, it's, it's, there is a locality of the body of Christ, anything beyond that. And he just argues like anything beyond that is not God's vision because you, and he makes a very compelling case that you can't make any case for any church beyond a city in the New Testament. That's all there is. That's all there is. And he basically says, come what may, like that, that church might be an heir, you know, because of that, that church might need judgment, that church might whatever, but one church per city, that's how it goes down. That's fascinating, right? It's near impossible at the place we're at. But I think it just compels the heart for a better vision. And yeah, there's a lot there. Um, so so I, I, I want to go a touch even bigger, if you can believe it, on this. Because um, you guys were in, were in it on the diamond facets and the, and the, the collective image of God bit. But I, I, somehow or other... It, you know, and it's really important that that it, it it gets transactional to a degree, right? It's okay, it gets transactional. I need you, you need me, et cetera, et cetera. It's tr- I true, all all good, and, and I, I agree, I fundamentally agree. But what was mind blowing to me about my conversations with Herman, which I've never heard in all my years, I, I never had thought about this in all my years of being a Christian, for, you know, four decades plus, whatever. No one's ever brought this to my attention, that the idea of the fact that each one of us is a dimension of God's image means that um, somehow it, it, it captures the love your neighbor as yourself concept. It, it ties, ties inextricably to that, right? Because, because how could you reject God's image in another human being? How can you? And, and be, a, be a lover of God, right? So and so, so it's not it's not like love your neighbor. I just have oh, I got I got to mount a lot of effort to do that. Of, of course you do. It's hard. We know. I mean, like life is hard. Loving somebody else is hard. Whoever it is, it's hard. Whether it's a person close to you on the planet or somebody who you completely disagree with, but but when you understand that that person um, captures a, the the full a, a full dimension of who God is, then you cannot not love them. I mean, and 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 be part of God's story. And so for me, I mean, because I, I just literally never thought of that, but, but it, it means that the, the creation story at the beginning captures that idea. It means love your neighbor as yourself ties directly to that because love neighbor as self. Okay, so we're all, you know, it, it sort of it makes this sort of, you know, magnificent equation at all. And then, of course, um, as, as uh, you know, as we all know, then in the end of the story, it takes us there in Revelation. We say, we're all going to be together. So deal with it, right? I mean, that's the deal, right? I mean, so it's not going to be like my, my tribe is better than your tribe, or your tribe is better than my tribe, or my views are going to be better than your views. No, it's not going to go down that way. And to even take it a step farther, you know, we have to reckon with the fact that understanding God's image is reflected in his imagers, his image bearers, in almost an infinitely way possible because of the diversity of humanity over not only just now, but historically, um, then you, by not accepting and leaning into that, are actually blocking your revelation of God to yourself, right? Meaning like you, you meaning you are not able to actually engage with a, the, the best, truest picture of who God is if you are purposely trying to put blinders on to things that are particularly his reflection and image, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. because that that unlocks mm-hmm. a whole nother level of like, well, so now you can kind of get like a little bit of a glimpse of why the attack on on unity is so strong. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. because, because it's actually it's it's ultimately a story about God. Yeah. And 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 about how how hard it is for us to function when we can't function mm-hmm. in clarity. Right. Like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. when you can't see in front of you. You can't really see clearly. You don't you don't know where you're going. Yeah. You can't tell where to go. You like your, your bearings are off. 
if you're like if your spiritual vision is so off because you're just so convinced that that you're right and you're so convinced that the people that are like you are the only ones worth paying attention to yeah what think about all that you're being cut off from in yourself like you said jeff and so you end up running around, not seeing full pictures of things, not living out like God's, you, you probably don't have a shot of getting like God's full intended, like amazing life for you. Cause you, you already cut yourself off to only like a piece of it. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, preach, yeah. preach, 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 <laughs> preach. Exactly, exactly. Go ahead, girl. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Let me just underscore here. I, I just want to say uh, again, we're in the middle of this remarkable, uh, this is amazing, uh, as you guys are laying this out. But I, I, I just want to say again, this is hard, it's hard work, though. It's, it's, on one level, it's exhausting because it requires that you keep working. It requires mm-hmm. that you pull back on some things that you feel very passionate about. It requires you to stretch. It requires you to lean in. And that's okay for one conversation. It's okay to, well, let's just kind of get to know each other. But when you're in relationship with each other, this keeps coming up. And you get requires you got to keep making choices. Do I want to talk about this? Do I not want to talk about this? Do I want to challenge this? Do I not want to challenge this? If I don't challenge this, what is this? Is this compromising who I am? It's just ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. It's just so easy. What's easier for us to be with people like yourself? Say, I don't want, I want to be in my own little tribe here because it's just hard work. But if you are a Jesus follower, here's what you got to understand. Here's what you have to remember. Here's what I try to remember. It's, it's impossible to follow one who ended up on the cross without your ending up on the cross. It's impossible for somebody who walked into crucifixion out of faithfulness to the Father without us walking into crucifixion, having to crucify and having to do the hard work of faith. Uh, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not elementary in that sense, right? God calls us to hard work. Ultimately, he calls us to death. So I don't want to make light of this. It's incredibly yes. hard. It's yeah. extraordinarily exhausting. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to renew you. You need to be able to retreat back to your tribe, if you will, to be renewed and all, all that's important. But your yeah. mission has to be clear. Your mission is not to stay in my tribe, but to expand the sense of tribe to include the totality of who God has made in humanity. So I got to keep pushing. That's so true. It reminds me, what is that? That Martin Luther quote where he says, you know, our king got a crown of thorns. We expect, why do we expect a crown of roses type of thing? Like it ain't going to happen, you know, it's not going to happen. And so, yeah, when you follow Jesus, you, you don't just get his benefits, but you actually follow his way and repeat what he what he went through and did. I, I I love that. Yeah. And I think the big thing that I've noticed too in conversations, even as it's happening nationally now, is in the church, I feel like we have so we have too quickly given the power over to sentimentality or just believing that a heart change will mean an emotion change, if that makes sense. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think a heart change changes the wellspring of life, but What's the, what is it, Bordeaux, the sociologist who talks about, you know, uh, that word habitus, like we need new habituses, we need, we need, which is basically just this, we need new formations, we need new, we have to be reformed in this way. We need counter formations that actually change us as people over two, five, 10 years, not just like, oh, I have, I believe this, so I'm going to feel it. It, it, That won't happen that way, right? We've been formed into the world's way of thinking. We need to be reformed out of the world's way of thinking. Well, and the the ethic that enables us to do this has to do with how committed you are to following Jesus. 
how committed am I to becoming like Jesus in the world? Because that vision keeps stretching you. His love is so radical that as I pursue loving the way he loves, it keeps stretching me, right? And as I encounter, as I'm honest about how radical his love is for me, when I really deal with my own brokenness, when I deal with uh, the sin that's in my life, that that mm. biblical word, right? The way I miss the mark regularly and repeatedly and his mercy and his grace, the more honest I am about the reality of his redemptive work in me and how desperately I need it, the easier it is for me to pursue that radical vision of loving others the way God loves me. So for me, the more serious you are about being a Jesus follower, the greater capacity for you to be ongoingly transformed and for the world around you to change. I was going to speak in that same vein, but also just say even more provocatively, we're not Christians if we're not doing that. I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there. I mean, there, there's only one way to be a Christian, and it's to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And if if we are not, if we are doing power politics and if we're doing tribalism and we're doing materialism like in everybody else and we're we're doing the us versus them sort of thing all the time we're no different than anybody else and and we are we are going to have absolutely zero transformative impact uh, on the culture around us if you care i mean if, if if you don't care okay got it then then we're having a different conversation but if you care about having a transformative impact uh, on the arc of of culture and everybody around you in your community there's only one way to do it. It's to follow this transformative path. And it's hard as heck, as Herman said, uh, as everybody knows, it's not easy, but, but there's, not, there, there's not an alternative. Yeah. Amen. Pastor Herman, any final thoughts, any last word before I wrap up here? Man, John, I love you, man. So keep doing what you're doing, all you guys. So good to have you with us. Uh, I feel so encouraged today. We're 3,000 miles away from Herman. We're 6,000 miles away from Jeff. Uh, and, and, yet, and yet here we are all together. This is awesome. And uh, is it okay, Jeff, if I wrap it by kicking it over to JBJ? Yeah, take it. The only last thing I'll say is before I, then you do that, one thing I did want to mention is you guys got to do this. Whoever's listening or watching, you got to go to Pastor Herman's church website, nbccbayarea.com. And you need to go to the staff and board tab. And you need to see that that's probably like, like th that looks like straight up my box of crayons growing up. Like that is about as diverse of color as I've seen on any leadership team uh, I've ever seen. And it is just awesome. It's sad to see that that's rare in churches, but it's powerful and amazing to see. And so it's just really, really compelling and powerful to see that that's the new humanity uh, that God is calling us toward and forward. And so, yeah, I think that's a fun little mission to send people home with. Herman, uh, so encouraged to be with you. Marissa, so excited to have seen your, your show this week. Great work. Jeff, thank you for doing what you always do. JBJ is going to bring us home with a song that was performed uh, from the rooftop on Tuesday night. Crowders, come as you are. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Let's
table, come taste the grace, let's rest for the weary, rest that endures, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure, so earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. Campaign for the Soul of America, committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. American Awakening is Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Gary Lancaster, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, Joel Searby, and me, Marissa Prince. And the show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts. Learn more about us by visiting our website at AmericanAwakening.us. There's joy for the morning, a sinner be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Lay down your burdens Lay down your shame All who are broken Lift up your face Oh, wonder I come You're not too Relevant Podcast Network.